the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When you think about how irrational this is, well, that's one of the things that begins to happen. When we take one step of compromise after another, we begin to lose all sense of reason. We begin to do things that are irrational. There are probably things in your life that you look back on and you think, I don't even know what I was thinking. Why in the world would I do such a thing? Because one compromise after another kind of desensitizes us. And we become kind of complacent to things and we lose all sense of reason. And this is what happens here. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. It's so true that sin takes you further than you want to go and costs you more than you're willing to give up. People don't stumble into serious sin overnight. It's little compromises that we allow one after another. In today's message, Pastor Gary shares how this downward progression is the story of Samson's life. He was set apart by God, but despite his calling, he lived only for himself. When we told the line to give in to pleasure, we're actually making it easier for the enemy to catch us in his snare. Samson wasn't strong enough, and neither are you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message titled, The Cost of Compromise. Judges 16 is where we are. We've been looking through the book of Judges. We've been learning lessons from the Israelites themselves, the cycle of sin that they were in when they would serve the Lord, and then they'd slip into sin and idolatry, and then they would be besieged by neighboring enemies, and so they'd cry out to the Lord. He'd raise up a judge. That's what the book is named after, various judges who were military leaders and heroes to lead the Israeli army into battle. And then the people would respond by giving thanks to the Lord, and they would then serve him again. And that cycle continues through the book of Judges. We've been learning from that as well as we've been learning from the lives of the judges themselves. They have been interesting examples, sometimes the good of their life, sometimes the bad of their life. We've looked at 11 of the judges and the 12th and final judge, we started looking at his life, that is Samson. And today is part two on the life of Samson. He gets more chapters written about him than any of the other judges, so he is therefore usually one of the more familiar of the judges, and he is best known for two things, his physical strength and his relationship with Delilah. Songs and movies have been written about this immortal love story between Samson and Delilah. 
fact of the matter is, no matter how many songs or movies glamorize their immortal love story, it really wasn't immortal. It was immoral, okay? They weren't married. They had this relationship together, and it was not a moral one at all. But as we mentioned last week, really, though some people think that his relationship with Delilah is really what brought Samson down, it wasn't. What brought Samson down was living a life of a series of small compromises along the way. Delilah was just the last in a long series of compromises that had culminated in what ends up being basically the end of his life here. But it's not Delilah herself. It is Samson who lived a life of small compromises, one after another, that ended up culminating in this relationship with Delilah. We talked also last week, and it's important to remember this, that he lived under a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow is spelled out in Numbers chapter 6. It's basically when a person takes a voluntary vow of separation and dedication, that they would be dedicated to the Lord and separate from the ways of the world, that they wouldn't just do everything that everybody else does. They would live a life that was separate and dedicated unto the Lord, and that the Nazarite vow was characterized by three particular points. One was nothing of the grapevine, no eating, no drinking of the grapevine, particularly anything fermented, no wine, no grape juice, no raisins, no grapes. Secondly, a person under a Nazarite vow was to never go near a dead body, to have no contact with a dead body. And thirdly, the Nazarite was set apart by not using a razor to the hair for the duration of the vow, and that would be an indicator that that person was under a Nazarite vow. All three of these things together, basically the hair was an indication. Not getting near a dead body was to avoid contamination, and not getting near anything fermented or anything of the grapevine was to avoid intoxication. And so a Nazarite set apart to the Lord, and that's the life that Samson was supposed to live. Unfortunately, we talked about how he violated the first two. He would stroll through vineyards. He was slowly compromising. He was in places he shouldn't have been. And then number two, he scooped out honey from the carcass of a lion. And so he's pressing the envelope here. He's seriously compromising his Nazarite vows. And the third one we see today in this story that he violates that one as well. Now, before we look at actually the relationship that he has here with Delilah, she is the main topic of chapter 16. But you'll note with me that there are actually mentions of two women in chapter 16. Delilah is just one of them. Chapter 16 is going to start out with Samson being with a prostitute. And we will see this as well. So look here at chapter 16 with me. Verse 1 says, One day Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, now notice this is now the introduction to Delilah. She's separate from the story of the prostitute. Sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, 
tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Yeah, I know. It's a... Tell me how we can beat you up. And then he voluntarily tells her. But anyway, jump ahead to near the end of the story. We'll fill in the gap in a minute. But verse 18. Verse 18 says, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. His strength left him. I think you will agree with me that in general human nature, that people are somewhat a complicated mixture of good intentions, but sometimes bad actions. Such is the life of Samson. We see clearly in the story of Judges that he is called by God. The Bible says that an angel of the Lord even announces in advance of his conception that Samson will be born and that the purpose of his life, it's spelled out back in chapter 13, was that he might deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. God had a purpose on his life even before this guy was conceived. We also see clearly that he was empowered by God because four times in the story of Samson, it says specifically that the Spirit of God came upon him in power. The Spirit of God came upon him in power four times. And we also see how he was used by God because he would single-handedly defeat Philistines on different occasions, subduing them and killing them and advancing the freedom of the Israelites. So we can see in the overall context of Samson's life that he was called by God, he was empowered by God, and he was used by God. But unfortunately, we don't ever see him living for God. That Samson, by and large, lived for Samson. That he lived to fulfill his own pleasures, his own ambitions, his own desires, his own will. Samson was a man who wanted to please himself. Never once in the story of Samson do we see him worshiping God. Never once do we see him seeking God, having a conversation with God or God with him. The only time we see Samson pray is once, and it's at the end of his life when he asks God to help him get vengeance on the Philistines, even if it means dying himself with the Philistines, and that's exactly what happens. This guy doesn't really have much of an example of a life well lived. And yet, he is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, what we call the Hebrew Hall of Faith, as someone who exercised great faith on behalf of the Lord. So how do we reconcile all this? He's a very duplicitous man. He's very hypocritical in many ways. How could God use a guy like this? He's visiting prostitutes. He gets hooked up three times with Philistine women. He's not married to. This guy is just out of control. He's compromising in the Nazarite vow. And what's important for us to understand as we look at the part two of Samson's life is something in general about all lives, and that is this, that sometimes we need to separate faithful deeds from the unfaithful lives of people who perform faithful deeds. That Samson is listed in the hall of faith not because he was this stellar example of a God-fearing life of a person that we should model our lives after, but he's listed there because he did some things that were faithful to God. And this is important because there might be times in your own life where, for example, some of you maybe got saved under 
the influence of someone's ministry, maybe a pastor, maybe a personal friend, a co-worker, only later than the person who led you to Christ, they maybe had a moral failure or they denied the faith or they committed crimes or they whatever, their unfaithful life does not negate the good that they did in leading you to Christ. We have to separate sometimes the faithful deeds from the unfaithful lives that people can sometimes live. So what Samson did here for Israel and for God, just because, in fact, he doesn't live a very moral life at all, does not negate the good that he did. We have to separate some of the faithful things he did from the unfaithful life that he lived. Because while the faithful things are wonderful, the unfaithful life now precludes him from being a model, an example of a life well lived. He's not a model of a life well lived that we should try to emulate. We should learn from the conflicted nature of this guy and somehow, in fact, see that there's a little Samson in all of us. There really is. Now, as we start here in the chapter 16, we see this contrary life that he lives here because as chapter 16 opens, he has a one-night stand here with a prostitute. And she's just not any prostitute. She's a Philistine prostitute. The very people that Samson was born was raised up to defeat the Philistines. And Samson seems to have a thing for Philistine women. He gets hooked up with three different women, and all three of them are Philistines in the story of his life. This is the second Philistine woman. And what is so brazen about his lust is that he goes to Gaza to get her. Why is that significant? It's significant because Gaza was the capital city of the Philistine territory. So consider this. He either doesn't care anymore or he's completely delusional to think that he can go undetected into the capital city of the enemy territory. He's the judge of Israel and he's going to go to the capital city, Gaza, to find a prostitute. I mean, how much worse can this get? It's bad enough just that it's a prostitute, but he's going to go to the capital city of enemy territory to find a prostitute. And what this begins to show us is, and this is just symptomatic of what happens when we compromise, when you think about how irrational this is, well, that's one of the things that begins to happen. When we take one step of compromise after another, we begin to lose all sense of reason. We begin to do things that are irrational. There are probably things in your life that you look back on and you think, I don't even know what I was thinking. Why in the world would I do such a thing? Because one compromise after another kind of desensitizes us. And we become kind of complacent to things and we lose all sense of reason. And this is what happens here. By the way, he goes to Gaza, it tells us in the passage, and Gaza today is still a city. Gaza City, a population of about half a million Palestinians, because Gaza City is part of the Palestinian territory there on the coast of the Mediterranean, and it has a population of about 2% Christian, 98% Muslim. And I want to make this clear. The ancient Philistines are not the modern Palestinians. Although they might still occupy the same area, the ancient Philistines are not the modern Palestinians, and sometimes people don't even know their own history, and they think that, and I've heard people say this, that just isn't true. The Palestinian people of today, this is a bit generic, but basically they are of Arab descent, and they are Arabic-speaking people. Again, 2% Christian, 98% Muslim. Now, this is where Samson is, though. He's in Gaza 
with a Philistine prostitute. And what happens? Well, what happens is he can't go undetected. And so the Philistines hear about it. They surround him in the house where he is with her. And they say to themselves, well, at dawn, we're going to get him. We're going to wait till dawn when it's daylight. And then we're going to kill him. Surround the house. And I suppose Samson, maybe, you know, being aware of this or knows he's in a place he shouldn't be, he leaves in the middle of the night. And he comes to the city gate, which is locked. They've locked him in. And so what does he do? He does what I do whenever I come to a locked door and I don't have a key. (laughs) He just rips it off the hinges. (laughs) Rips it off the hinges, bars and all, hinges and all, rips it off the hinges, walks it up to a hill facing Hebron and dumps it there. Now, how much did this weigh? We don't really know, but a lot of scholars believe, looking at similar archaeological evidence, that it could have weighed anything from 800 to 1,000 pounds. Okay? This guy. Puts it up on his shoulder, starts walking with it, and he leaves. Now, we come to verse 4, and here's the love story here with Delilah. He falls in love with Delilah. And I don't know if you know this, but he puts on a plain white tee, <laughs> and he sings her a song. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in Gaza City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Although I know you're not a Jew. Oh, what you do to me? Oh, you sneaky Philistine. Oh, your love's too much to bear. Mm, you cut off all my hair. I don't know if you know that. That's the, that's the song that he sang to her. Thank you. I, yeah, that's... I think it's in the message Bible. It's in there somewhere. Anyway, it's in the message. But anyhow, what happens now is that the Philistine rulers come to Delilah and they say in verse 5, they say, hey, we're going to give you money. We'll give you 1,100 shekels per ruler. And it was believed to be there were five Philistine rulers. That's a lot of money back in the day because the equivalent today of about $45,000. They offer $45,000. Why? Well, it tells us in verse 5 because they want to find out the secret of Samson's strength. Now wait, I grew up in Sunday school. I saw all the picture books, and and how many of you remember the day of the flannel board? Okay, flannel board people? Flannel board people, yes. Prometheus board, oh. No, 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 flannel board, flannel board. This is when your Sunday school teacher put up a cardboard thing covered with flannel and then bring up paper dolls, basically, and stick them on the PowerPoint. It was when you would use the power of God to point. That's what it was right there. And you put these little paper dolls on the flannel board, all right? You can't really tell the real story of Samson to little kids in Sunday school, okay? Let me tell you why. Because it's this verse, verse 5, that scholars today look at and say, you know what? Probably Samson was an average-looking guy. He wasn't all buff and ripped, big guns. Because otherwise, wouldn't it be obvious the secret of his strength? If he was all ripped, the Philistines wouldn't be giving her money to find out the secret of his strength. Likelihood is Samson was a very average-looking guy. So we have to get out of our minds Sunday school Samson. Okay, the pictures of Samson in our Sunday school books growing up. I remember, you know, the teacher would bring him out. He was all buff and ripped. He's all muscular. Like, now listen, boys and girls, Samson, he goes down to Gaza. We don't want to tell you why. (laughs) They leave that part out, right? They can't tell us that part. But look how ripped he is. And he rips off the gates of the city. Because when you're ripped, you can rip things. (laughs) 
That's the lesson, okay? They can't say, oh, here's skinny Samson. Look how weak he looks. And with long hair, looks like a rock star has been smoking some things. You know, they can't... Oh, here comes this naughty girl. Oh, naughty girl. Platform shoes, naughty girl. You can't tell the real story of Samson. So, you and I grow up thinking that Samson's this buff guy, ripped and muscular. Probably not. Probably not. Think Jewish, slender, weak, with dreads. (laughs) Basically, Adam Levine with dreads. Anyhow, all right, let's move on. So, here's what happens. They offer her money, and she says, verse 6, she said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Just tell me. I don't know what's worse, that she's asking the question or that he's going to answer it. Okay. You want to know how to beat me up? All right, here. And now he's going to lie. He's going to lie here. I mean, why not? He's been compromising along the way. So what if a few more lies? And so this is the first thing that he says to her in verse 7. He says, well, if anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs, cords, or bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. So first lie, just tie me up with these seven fresh bowstrings, and I'll become as weak as any other man. So she does that, apparently, when he's asleep. And then, oh, Samson, Philistines are upon us. Boink, and he breaks free. So lie number one. So then she begs him further. Verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes of his arms as if they were threads. So line number two, try new ropes. No, that isn't it. Snaps them like threads. So, verse 13, Delilah then said to Samson, this is attempt number three, until now you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And he replied, Well, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. All right, pause for a moment. Your attention. Listen, at what point do you realize something's up? How many times does this have to go? And Samson, is he clueless here? What is going on? I mean, after day number one, okay, you wake up in the morning, you got these seven bowstrings on you, and you wake up, you go, boink, wow, what's this about? Day number two, you wake up, and there are ropes on you. Boink, hey, what's going on here? Day number three, though, come on. Day number three, Delilah's actually backing up a loom to his head. It's like a four-foot wooden contraption, okay? And she starts to weave his hair through it and with a batten. And she weaves his hair. Bat- I'm making a rug. Look at me. Batting it down. Weaving it. Batting it down. Weaving it. Batting it. And then she goes, Samson, Philistines are upon you. And the Bible says he wakes up and he pulls the loom pin and everything. So he just like he gets up and he's got this big loom in his head. <laughs> Wake up. You've got like a loom on the side of your head. 
don't you know what's going on at this point? No, 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 no. Here's why. Because compromise, here's the second point here, compromise makes us become oblivious to the traps of the enemy. Throughout the book of Judges, God was with the nation of Israel. When they were following him, God's blessing flowed and filled their land. When they turned away from him, he didn't abandon them, but instead brought forth judges to help them see the error of their ways and how life with him was so much better. This cycle of living that the Israelites fell into is what we've been studying with Pastor Gary Hamrick. And we're so glad you joined us again today. Here at Cornerstone Connection, we love being able to share God's Word with you and learning with you what God has to teach us. If you'd like to hear more from the book of Judges or the number of other Bible books Pastor Gary has taught through, you'll find them at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We also have companion resources that offer an even deeper look into these studies, which you can use to enhance your own time with God in His Word. Cornerstone Connection comes to you as a ministry of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, and we'd love to meet you in person. Come see us Sundays at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our time of worship and Bible study. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today, but join us again for another step into the lives of the Israelites right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.